Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. verses from Revelation, Richard's um, wonderfully drawn our attention to the one who's seated upon the throne, and in Revelation chapter 1, this is how John describes him. He says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a long robe and with a gold sash wrapped around his chest, and his head and hair were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame, and his feet like bronze fired in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters, and in his right hand he had seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was shining like the sun at midday. And then in chapter 4, let me just again read a few little verses here. He says, After I looked there, uh, and there in heaven was an open door, and the first voice that I'd heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and there in heaven a throne was set. And one was seated on the throne. And the one seated looked like jasper and carnelian stone. And a rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. And around that throne were 24 thrones. And on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and thunder. And burning before the throne were seven fiery torches, which are the seven spirits of God. It's an awesome description, isn't it? And um, I think as we come around the throne, as we worship the Lord, and as we join these multitudes, then if there's one thing that we become aware of, it's how bright, how light this burning light, these fiery eyes, this rainbow, these flashes of lightning. This is a a light place to be in, a bright, white light place to be in. In um, John 8, verse 12, and I'll I'll just mention this now, we'll come back to it. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In uh, 1 Peter and Colossians, it talks about being transferred from a kingdom of darkness into light, into the kingdom of his son. And I've been thinking about these things over the last uh, couple of weeks and just like to share some thoughts this morning on Jesus, the light of the world, the one around whose throne we come, the one, the one we encounter when we worship like this. Let me take you right back to the beginning, to Genesis 1, the light of the world the light of the world. So good to be in the light, isn't it? 
The Bible has nothing positive. I can't, I, I've been searching. I can't find anything positive in the Bible about darkness. It has no positive connotations. It's good to be in the light. Genesis 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and evening came and then morning. The first day, the first day, the earth was formless, empty, watery, and dark, but the Spirit of God was hovering. And what follows from those verses and the rest of, the rest of this chapter is a description of God's mighty acts of creation, which we believe. God created. And, um, and the Father speaks, and the, the Father and the Son create. We know that from other texts. And the Spirit of God is hovering to, to bring to completion every spoken thought of the Father. As the Father thinks and speaks out, words come forth, and the Spirit of God uh, joins forces with the Word of God, and things are created, things come into being. But the order of God in all things, of course, really matters. The order really matters, doesn't it? God's order matters in, in everything, in the universe, in, in the earth, in the church, in the family, in the home. The order of things matters. And the first thing that happens here is that light comes. The first words of God recorded for us to, as God's revelation to us is that his first words were... Let there be light. And his first action was for light to come. Ordaining light was God's first action. In fact, nothing else could come first. Nothing, could, nothing else could have happened without the light first coming. But once the light has come, once there's light, then there can be sky and dry land and earth and seas and vegetation and living creatures in the sea and in the sky and in the land, all of whom worship the Lord. Even the ones under the sea. And finally, mankind is created. Because when there's light, everything else is possible. I don't know whether you ever stop to think about how precious and essential light is. And, and I suppose because we, we rarely, if ever, experience total darkness, maybe we don't quite appreciate what light is and what light does. But um, I am advised that light stimulates sight. It's because of light that, we, that our sight is stimulated and we see and things become visible. It's light that provides all the energy that plants use to create sugars and starches which release, which release energy into all the other living things that, that digest them. It's called photosynthesis, apparently. Some of you knew that. And it, it, and it accounts for virtually all the energy used by all the living creatures. It all starts because of light. The speed of light, and I know you know that, so I won't tell you that it's 299,792,458 meters per second. It's pretty fast. The speed of light is one of the great 
constants in the universe. Light is amazing. And the first thing that happens is that a light comes. A light comes. And by the end of day six, the planet is filled with life. Because without light, nothing could have been created. But with light, everything is possible. In the very beginning, in the the beginning of beginnings, a light came and pierced the darkness and made things visible and made things possible, made things growable and released energy so that everything could start to live. There was light. It's interesting that um, the other lights, the ones that we'd think of when when I speak of light, what you're probably imagining is sunlight or moonlight or starlight. But but those things weren't created until day four. When you read down through the text, we find that on day four, on the fourth day, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from night, and they'll serve as signs for festivals for days and years, and they will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights the greater light to have dominion over the day, the lesser light to have dominion over the night, and almost in brackets, as well as all the stars. By the way, by the way, those billions of uncountable stars were also part of it. But but here's the thing, folks. None of that happened until day four. There was already a light right at the beginning. There was something else before all the other lights that you probably think of when we speak of light. There was another light source, and it wasn't sunlight, and it wasn't moonlight, and it wasn't starlight. There was a greater light that existed and began shining before any of those other lights. And I want to be careful in what I'm saying here, but, but those other lights were made created, as was everything in the following days. But that first light, it it just says it was. God said, and it was. I wonder if that first light was not a natural phenomenon. I wonder if the Father said to the Son, start shining. And the Son began to radiate His Light in the cosmos. Let me take you to John 1. John writes his gospel, and I think he, he intends us to compare his first few verses with Genesis 1, because his opening phrase is identical. In the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. And all things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in Him. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And yet the darkness did not overcome it. Let there be light. 
I wonder if that was all it take, took for the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who's not mentioned by name in Genesis 1, but we know from elsewhere, He's there creating. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. As He shone forth His light. Let me take you to Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, not long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact expression of his nature. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. The rest is brilliant, but we'll just pause there. Because I do know this, at the end of all things, Revelation 22 tells me this. Night will no longer exist, and people will not need lamplight or sunlight, because the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever. You see, at the, end, at the end of things, there'll be no need of those planetary lights, those starlights. I wonder if at the beginning of things it was just the same. The sun began to shine forth. He, he lit up the cosmos. All light. Jesus said, I, but turn with me now to John 8 verse 12, because this is where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John 8 verse 12. I am the light of the world. Just have a look at that verse. Just look at those words on the page. John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Light of life. I am the light of the world. Jesus in all his, he makes seven statements that John records for us where he says, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. I'm the bread of life, I'm the gate, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection and the life, I'm the way and the truth and the life, I'm the vine. And here he says, I am the light of the world. I am light personified. All light is in me, all light comes from me. I am the light of the world and in, that, in my life is light, in my light is life. He himself I believe he first lit up the cosmos. Jesus, the light of the world, the light of the universe, lit up the cosmos. And then I want to say this, then he lit up her life. Look at the context of John 8, 12. He lit up her life. The heading in my Bible is an adulteress forgiven. At dawn, verse 2. He went to the temple complex again, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. 
Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And when they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and he said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. And when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the oldest, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. And then Jesus stood up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Go from now. Go and from now on, do not sin anymore. And then Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. You may have a gap between verses 11 and 12. My Bible doesn't. But neither did the original Bibles have any subheadings. I think that fits at the end of that story, don't you? Here's a woman caught in the act of adultery. And the religious leaders um, ask this question. And Jesus confronts their, um, their misogyny, their hypocrisy, their grading of sins. What an answer. You stone her if you're sin-free. And then uh, they all leave, beginning with the oldest men, until it's just him and her. There's others around, but she's right in the center, and they've, they've all left now, so she's there by herself. And it's just Jesus and her, and he stands and he speaks to her, and he says, I don't condemn you. Sin no more. I am the light of the world. He's the light, and he pierces darkness, and he, he cuts through religion and hypocrisy, and he triggers life, and he causes growth, and he transforms, and he makes all things possible. The one who lit up the cosmos is walking on the ground he made, and suddenly this woman's world is lit up because he's transforming, he's expressing compassion, he's removing condemnation, and he's bringing forgiveness and dignity and hope because he's light and he's grace and he's kindness and he's truth and he's peace. There's a passage we often read at Christmas time, but it's true 365 days of the year in Isaiah 9 where it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. A light has dawned. And here in this story in John 8, it's dawn. It's dawn. And the sun is rising, but there's another sun rising. The Son of God stands up and speaks to this woman. And right here in the dust and the dirt of this temple complex, right here, surrounded by people, yet face to face with Jesus, a great light appears. And he doesn't condemn. And he commands us, sure he commands us to sin no more. But he comes with a second chance. He comes with the possibility that the future can be different to the past. If you, if you ask this woman, what just happened? I think she'd say, he lit up my life. 
I was in sin and darkness. I was condemned. I was facing death. But I found myself face to face with Jesus. You know, he radiated life. I felt loved. I felt understood. I felt I, felt I was encountering the radiance of his glory. And I saw myself in a whole new light. And he lit up my life. And maybe that's just what you need this morning. Maybe it's just what you need this morning to meet the light of the world who can deal with your past, who can deal with your past, who can release you from condemnation, who can express kindness and love and forgiveness. Maybe that's just what you need this morning is to meet the light of the world. He lit up the cosmos. He lit up her life. And now he's about to light up his life. Turn with me to John 9. I think it's the only one of these I am statements that's repeated, and it's in John 9, 5, where Jesus says, as long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. And again, we've got to read the context. Here's the story. John 9, verse 1. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after he said these things, he spit on the ground and he made some mud from the saliva and he spread the mud on his eyes Go, he said to him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he left and he washed and he came back seeing. Wow. Came back seeing. And then there's all sorts of confusion and kerfuffle and, you know, wondering what could have happened and how, how could this happen if, how could this possibly be? And, and we pick up the story again in verse 18. The Jews did not believe this about him. They didn't believe that Jesus was a prophet uh, they didn't believe this about him, that, was, that he was blind and he, recu- and he received sight until they summoned the parents of the one who'd received his sight. And they asked them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How does he see now? We know this is our son and we know that he was born blind, his parents answered, but we don't know how he now sees and we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents were afraid of the Jews, since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. And this is why they asked his parents. By the way, before all this, the first ridiculous thing is is a complaint that he did it on the Sabbath. We'll come back to that. Maybe. Maybe. Um, He answered whether um, the second time they summoned the man who'd been blind and told him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know. We can all finish this sentence, can't we? 
I was blind, but now I can see. He's the light. And he pierces the darkness. And he cuts through religion. And the one who lit up the cosmos is walking on the earth he created. And suddenly this blind man's world is lit up. He is somebody who's experienced never-ending total darkness. And now his life is flooded by a great light. And he can see. Because Jesus is transforming and bringing hope and bringing healing and bringing vision. I guess if you ask this man, what just happened? What would he say? He lit up my life. I was blind. I'd been living my whole life in desperate, terrible darkness. I couldn't see any hope, any future. But I found myself face to face with Jesus. And he radiated life. And he spoke words of life. And he touched me. And he put his hands on me. And when I washed the mud away, I could see and I saw colors and people. And I saw the radiance of the glory of God. And I I saw a new future, a new hope, new possibilities. He lit up my life. Darkness is a terrible place to be in. It brings terror, it brings fear and anxiety, it brings insecurity, depression, sickness, bitterness. It's the breeding ground for gossip and secrets and demonic activity. But when the light comes flooding in, everything changes. Because the light of Christ brings understanding and revelation and dispels fears, keeps us from stumbling, lights up the path, puts everything in proper perspective. And maybe that's just what you need this morning. Somebody who can deal with your future. The case of the woman, he dealt with her past. In the case of this man now, he, he deals totally with his future, doesn't he? He changes everything. Everything's going to be different from now on. I don't know about you, but when I, when I, um, when I met Christ, when I came face to face with Christ, when... Uh, when he met me, you might be better way of... No, yeah, that's wrong, isn't it? When I met him, I, I used to still describe it this way. It, it was as if the lights came on. Yeah, anybody use that phrase? It was as if the lights came on and, and suddenly there was um, all my confusion evaporated like the mist and my search was over and my arguments ceased because the Son of God eclipsed all my questions, all my doubts, all my what-ifs, His light shone in my darkness. I'm sure many of us could describe something similar. Jesus is not only the light of the world. He was not only the light of her world, not only the light of his world. He's the light of our world, isn't he? We've been transferred from a a domain of darkness into the kingdom of, of light, which is the kingdom of his son. A great light has dawned in our lives. And for us, it's a day of compassion, and it has been a day of compassion and Forgiveness and healing and vision as he's dealt with our past and dealt with our future. And we've discovered God has an order for the universe. And he has an order for our lives. Or maybe we're discovering, or maybe it's a discovery for you today. That if we want to enjoy life as God designed it, as God created it, as God intended it to be, we must submit to his order. And letting him light up our lives 
should be the first thing, is the first thing that, that makes everything else possible. The light of Christ is the starting point of all order. And including, and especially right now, for us, the order in our lives is embracing the light of Christ. Hallelujah. You know this statement, I am the light of the world. It's the only, it's the only of those statements that Jesus makes about himself that he also makes about us. Because in Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Isn't that amazing? We're not the gate, we're not the vine, we're not the, the, shepherd, the shepherd, but we are the light of the world. In 1 John, John says, for we are as he is in the world. Just as Jesus was light in the world, so we are to be light in the world. Jesus came for this lost, dark world of, uh, full of sinners and prodigals, full of adulterers and blind people and those drowning in darkness. And he came as the light. And he says, I'm the light of the world and I'm, and I'm now... I'm now walking on the earth I created, bringing life, bringing light. Then he says, you, church, disciples, followers, you're the light of the world. I want to turn you, just in, in bringing some of these thoughts to a close, to Isaiah 60. You're the light of the world. I think he expects us to be just like he was. He's given us the same spirit. There's nothing holding us back. We, we don't, we're not disqualified in any way whatsoever. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He brought light. He offered hope. He removed condemnation. He healed the sick. He confronted hypocrisy, misogyny, and, and religion. He expects us to do the same and to be the light of the world. Isaiah 60. It's a prophetic text. It's looking ahead to the coming of Christ, of course. But, but beyond that, isn't it the word of God to us today? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness covers the earth, and total darkness the peoples. But the Lord will shine over you, and his glory will appear over you. If I could say this as well, his, his glory will appear through us. Through us. This is, if ever there was a day for the church to be arisen and shining and dispelling darkness, today's the day. We've got to get up and get with God's plan. Arise and shine. Arise and shine. Your light has come. Our light has come. Our light is upon us. He's, he's radiating his glory amongst us. But it's not to be kept in here. It's, it's to be shone into the world. There's so much we could say. I just want to pause right there and say this before I go any further. Maybe you do need to know today He's the one that deals with all the past. He's the one that removes all condemnation. He's the one that forgives. He's the one that um, cleanses and deals with our guilty conscience. He's the one who will look you in the eye, as Richard um, 
asked us to just picture and imagine face to face with him, like that woman, like that man, with a past that's condemning us, or a future that's unclear. He wants to deal with that past, remove all condemnation. He wants to deal with that future and open your eyes, show you things clearly. And I would just love us this morning to give him, give him our time so that he could come and minister to us in those things. Let me just finish with this. This is back in Matthew 5, 14. This is where Jesus, Jesus says, basically, you're just like me. You're just like me. Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on my men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus makes things so simple for us, doesn't he? It's, it's simply allowing, it's simply doing good. Doing good works. Doing good deeds. Um, Jesus' ministry is summed up in this sentence. He went around doing good. Healing all who are oppressed. He went around doing good. And Ephesians tells us he's prepared good works in advance for us to do. You know, you, you woke up this morning and the Lord had a, the Lord had a plan. He had a, a kind of a list of good deeds and um, waiting for you to inhabit them. Waiting for you to fill out this this outline plan he had for you, good, good deeds prepared in advance. Youth and adults, all of us, God, God, God's, you at, you at woke up this morning and God had a plan for his day. I've got this good deed prepared for you at today. I've got this good work. And, and Hillary, here's an act of kindness to, to, to do something that is going, and all these things are going to be ways in which your light is shining. Our light shines so people can simply see and as people see our good deeds. You often hear me say things like this, but I don't, you know, let's say there are 250 here this morning and um, seven days in the week ahead. What's, what's, a, what's a reasonable number of good things we could do each day, do you reckon? I'm going to need somebody with a calculator in a minute. Five? Five, 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 five significant good things that would, that, would, that would bring glory to God, would demonstrate the love of God. Five. Okay, what's 250 times five times seven? I'll tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a smaller number than the speed of light. Eight thousand. Eight, eight, so, so between us, we could reasonably, reasonably 
perform 8,750 good deeds this week. Can you imagine the impact of those good deeds on our world? We're the light of the world, church. And we're going to let our light shine so people can see our good deeds. And so, Lord, I want to pray for our church this morning that this week we will walk around not boastful or proud, Lord, but with our heads held high knowing you've made us to be beacons, you've made us to be lights in our world. We thank you, the one who lit up the cosmos and lights up individual lives and brings release from the past and hope for the future is at work this week in us, through us, because we also are the light of the world. And I want to pray, Lord, that there will be hundreds and thousands of good deeds this week that make a tremendous impact in our world, in our world, in those places where we have influence, so that you will be glorified, darkness will be dispelled, the church will grow, and the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Instagram.